I was having a laugh. I forget all the movies I saw. I forget the movies. I forget life. I forget what things are. I have a horrible sinus thing all of a sudden, so I can't even talk good. But hey, I'm talking to my friend. Breakthrough on the air. COVID. Oh my goodness. Ugh. Yeah. I just Uh, took. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm going to get us right into content with what I'm going to say. So please, you go. You sound more chit-chat. Oh, I, was, I just finished up an ivermectin gummy was what I was going to say. Oh, okay. That's not bad. I've been hitting those CBDs at bedtime. <laughs> nice. Just get rid of those anxiety nightmares. I see. Yeah. I see. That's where I'm at. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I, everything is so distant from my mind except for White Lotus, which I just finished moments before this recording. Oh, isn't it? Isn't it fun? <laughs> it's so dark. Oh yeah, everything and not everything. I guess uh, Quinn has a happy ending, and I don't know who else. I but, get uh, the and, and a completely unbelievable one. No, yeah, that though that family's not going to stop everything and make the plane right taxi back, and yeah, yeah. It's not the Americans where right. they can't. Um, and I get. I mean, I get the critiques of the show of folks who are tired of watching white people do white people things. Yes. Um, because boy, is the show good at having white people <laughs> do white people things. Yeah. Um, the, the performances, though, and a lot of the dialogue and just the overall vibe, it, it, it was it was very enjoyable for me. Jennifer Coolidge, such an MVP. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. I thought it was so well conceived. Amazing that the uh, today on Twitter, the showrunner of BoJack Horseman was complaining about shows that are made, written, and directed by one person, mm-hmm. and saying that if you don't employ a, a, a writer's room, you're 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 missing out, and your show can't be polished, and you're not employing people. And I think that's reductive. I think there's both situations. I think yeah. he makes an animated show. You have to have a room for an animated show. But uh, I think Mike White did an amazing job conceiving this, writing it, making it. It, for, it devolved a little bit into some cliches towards the end, I guess. The story of like, you know, a, a dramatic, uh, du- you know, dust up on vacation that reinvigorates a marriage felt a little mm-hmm. bit like old school TV stuff. But no, I, I, I it was entrancing. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. The only plot hole that I have is she couldn't send a text from the boat. Right. He's heading back. Right. No, couldn't they have had even just the one moment where she's stuck in the boat and there's no service or she tried? Right. It seems highly unlikely that she would allow yeah. that to unfold. That is, I guess if you were going to criticize the show too, the most tragic end, well, I guess except for Armand, the most tragic end is to a, it's completely off screen to the character right. Kai, who was just a sweetheart who was, you know, whatever, but. I think you could argue that that's part of the craft of the writing is that yet again, yeah, a local yeah. out of sight um, mm-hmm. is is taken down. Right. And you don't even see it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It was. I guess they're talking second season. I kind of, this felt kind of like a perfect little thing. Yeah. Well, I'm they're going to have a different hotel with different employees and <clears throat> um, different guests. Yeah. Maybe they'll be great, but I like, yeah. I kind of liked this. These you got to have an Armand too, because he was kind of a Muppet, but he was kind of the, I don't know, I felt like he was the electricity at the middle. Of yeah. The he was kind of, he was a little bit the glue too, that yeah. kind of connected all the people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy who played Dylan, you know, he's that guy mm-hmm. who was up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That was going around for a while. Oh who, yeah. Who the, the director was like, didn't realize he was unmuted and was making fun of his apartment. 
Oh, right, and right. He was just kind of like, well, then together. cast me so I don't have to live in this place. Right, like, and he was like really, right. good, really good natured about it. And the director yeah. was so embarrassed. Wow. Um, but I was happy to see that he got cast in something that got it. Yeah. yeah, he was memorable. Um, everything, every, every little bit part was well cast. It was a very yeah. uh, well put together show. And weird, even as it's like doing the whole thing of of uh, using Hawaiian culture, kind of half ironically and half like, you know, it's the, the fact that the music they used was also infused with Christian mm. choir stuff yeah, was sure. like that to me was like, oh, that was an extra little twist of the knife. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, and everybody's so educated and so woke and. Right. Like all of their dialogue is, you know, current event and social discourse. Yeah. And yet they're all doing the opposite of what they say that they that is important to them. Right. Uh, an operational thing. I only go on poor people vacations mm. and we eat at a pretty much a different restaurant every night. Mm-hmm. Do rich people eat at the resort every single meal? Because that's what these characters did for an entire know. week. I wonder if, if the resort is remote such that you just go to the resort and you spend your entire vacation there. Yeah, You're not I guess, leaving. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do depend more on the restaurant. Yeah. And I guess super rich people aren't going to go into town and be, maybe some of them would be adventurous, but like. If you're there to be pampered and have the experience, maybe that's just part of the whole thing. Also, if you're like, I don't know what she's supposed to be, like the CEO of Google or something, mm-hmm. I, are you cramming your whole family into a one-bedroom suite right. yeah. on vacation? That seems unlikely. Got to have some contrivance, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was good. I feel like I started another show and now I don't remember it. I don't know. But uh, I don't watch. I don't have time for as many shows lately. But I was glad I took the time for this one. Mm, yeah, it was worth it. Uh, cool, 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 cool. What's the one that? Um, oh, never mind. I can't. I'm I'm having so much trouble. So I have five films, Dan, that I've seen since last time. Five new movies. I think at least a few of them are. Uh, you know. Yeah, likewise. I've I uh I haven't seen Annette yet. So I would oh, love okay. If we, I would love if we could wait on that one until yeah. I can see it. Have you avoided like? information i know that people have a lot to say about it yeah. but i really have avoided information okay uh then I, i'm not gonna I'll, yeah we'll we'll save it because you gotta see i guess the only thing i'll say that doesn't have to do with plot and the movie itself is just as a review i was a little disappointed in the musical aspect of it hmm. because yeah. i became a huge fan of sparks after the edgar wright documentary a month ago and i've been listening to their music like crazy and they are excellent pop musicians and they're really good at making clever and weird and catchy songs. And well, you'll see this movie and it has a lot of interesting things going on, but I thought the music was like the least of, of it. So I was a little disappointed in the, in the score. Well, I'm extra interested in the score now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that reduces my docket to four titles, which are the following. Uh, where'd they go? The suicide squad nine days free guy and the protege yeah i didn't see protege but um i've got reminiscence i raise you a reminiscence oh right now i'm probably not going to catch up with that because it looks like a slog are you going to catch up with the protege or should we just get him out let's get him out all right uh shall i begin yeah please all right so the protege let me um i'm gonna need a couple of deets on this but uh Protege. Now, here's the thing. I excitedly picked Protege as my as my new release for last week, just based on 
like a silent Instagram, you know, loop of the trailer. I knew nothing about it. All I needed to know was Maggie Q, uh, Sam Jackson and Michael Keaton. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. And it's from Martin Campbell, who is a, a journeyman action director who directed, uh, Casino Royale, which was the big Bond reinventing itself for the 21st century. And I thought it was an excellent. I thought he did an excellent job with that movie. And I mostly hated the protege. I mm. thought it was really bad and not bad in line, not necessarily bad movie. Cause there's all these people who are really good at what they do. He's a good director. It is written by Richard Wank. And I want to say, I know what he is known for. Let me click on the dude, oh, the equalizer expendables, the mechanics. So he's an, he's a kind of an action movie, pump them out kind of guy that might explain some of the issues uh he might have been the weak link i don't know richard i'm sorry i don't know that about you uh you know don't take it personally but it is a so do you remember what was it that was well we said this about that uh those who wish me dead that it was kind of a throwback to 90s early mm -hmm. 2000s action yeah. i felt that way also about shane black's uh the predator i don't know if you i don't know if you have any interactions with the predator franchise but that was like the most recent reboot of that franchise was just a few years ago and it was decidedly politically incorrect and you know characters say homophobic slurs and they like it was just it was like an intentional callback to the way movies used to be when we mm -hmm. weren't so censored and woke and i found that obnoxious and I, this isn't quite that bad but i felt in general that this was a trying to get back to that kind of a feeling uh, in an obnoxious way, really. And it is mostly the writing. And then you, so it's a very quippy, capery. Uh, Sam Jackson was in Vietnam and he, in the 90s, not in the, uh, I think he's one of those dudes who stayed in it from the war, though, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then he finds a Vietnamese child played by Maggie Q. Her character is called Anna, basically finds her in the aftermath of a tragedy and raises her. He just happens to be a hitman, So he raises her as a badass hit woman and blah, blah, blah. Cut to now he's really old. She's grown up. She's the, the assassin carrying on the mantle. They get caught up in some intrigue, which involves Michael Keaton, who seems at first, like he might be a romantic interest for her. And then he ends up being kind of the bad guy. So it's all typical action movie stuff sets up, you know, twists and turns, but it's so the writing is so bad. And then we get way too much graphic visual information about these tragedies in the past that don't seem to jibe with the kind of good natured vibe of the rest of the movie. And the characters do something. The last thing I'll say about it is the characters do this thing that I hate which is instead of making, instead of writing your characters with some kind of diligence and, and, and consistency to show that they're excellent at what they do, you simply have them constantly one-upping each other by knowing things they couldn't possibly know. Mm -hmm. So she, she sits at dinner that, you know, meets Michael Keaton in a public place for dinner and they secretly want to kill each other but they're had, they look like they're on a date. She pulls out a gun under the table and just based on the click, he's like, Oh, nine millimeter, you know, your guns. And then uh -huh. it's like, Oh, you, you, your shoes are, he, he hasn't even seen her shoes and he, he knows what shoes she's wearing. It's 90 minutes of that. It's oh, just gosh. every single character does that to everybody else constantly. And like, Oh, you know, your stuff. And it's like, I was like, I couldn't believe as they were racking up, I started to like count them. And then I lost count of the number of times that happened. So that's all you need to know about the protege. Disappointing. Cast looked cool. I was looking forward to it. 
Well, let's talk about reminiscence. Let's do. The past can haunt a man. <laughs> I bet it can. Or so they say. <laughs> uh-huh. But a moment is but a bead on time's uh-huh. necklace. So there's so this we got Hugh Jackman here in a neo noir science fiction thriller written and directed by Lisa Joy, which is her directorial debut astonishingly. Okay. Because this is I mean, visually and with film technology and with craft, this this movie's exquisite, right? Mm-hmm. It, on that on that level. There's some, the market, there's some yeah. stunning visual sequences, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Hugh Jackman who makes his living. We it's kind of matrixy, kind of minority report um, world where the waters have risen. There's been climate change, and Miami is is it underwater? Like you look at it, and it looks mm-hmm. like we've just got buildings peeking out. But then at other times, people are walking in the streets, just sort of in ankle deep water. So I'm not quite sure how bad things are. It seems like ankle deep water, though, through the main streets of a city would be enough to render it uninhabitable. Um, it seems like that would be a major health problem. It would be a it would compromise the structural integrity of the whole city. How does electricity work? But we just we just go with it, right? So we're underwater. It doesn't have much to do with the plot, though, just that we're a little bit in the future. And Minority Report style. Hugh Jackman's got this business where people can come and lay in his tub of goo with stuff hooked up to their head and they can live their memories. And he watches whatever they're remembering in like this 3D hologram sort of holodeck thing. And his partner in this business is Thandie Newton. And the very mysterious May comes through the door one night played by Rebecca Ferguson who I didn't recognize at the time, but I realized later plays the the role in uh, Doctor Sleep. She's the yes, the yeah, villain in Doctor. Yeah, she. I Big mean, of course, of she's she's got a career that I just am you know not totally aware of. She's in Mission Impossible too. Ah, uh, right, right, right. Another another franchise I wouldn't know of. <laughs> <laughs> and she's lost her keys, poor thing. So she wants to go into the memory machine and see where her keys are. <laughs> right. And the most mundane of things. The yeah. most mundane of things. And anyway, um, Jackman becomes kind of obsessed with her and they begin a romance, but then she disappears without a trace and she just wouldn't do that. And how in the world could this happen? And so that this sends him into, Where the, is she? Yeah, into the seedy underbelly of things, um, trying to figure out what became of her, finding different people's memory files because because he doesn't have exclusive rights over these kinds of machines. There are all kinds of businesses that just allow people to live in memory because ever since the world flooded, nobody likes their life today. So they just try to live in the past. It's great that all the electricity still works and that they still have a way of making money to pay high prices for this. A mob family figures into the proceedings because there's a clue in old uh, holograph memories that he has access to. And in the end, I mean, I'm going ahead and just saying the ending, he decides he is going to live in perpetuity in this machine and remember her Um, and how that works, how he's able to live and survive for decades in this in this machine sitting in cold water Mm -hmm. is a mystery. It, It is a mystery, but we go with it. And then we have this like weird little scene like Orpheus and Eurydice is like an ongoing theme. So we've got May talking to him. This conversation happens a few times. She's like, tell me a happy story. 
And he's like, there's no such thing as a happy story because if it has an ending, then it ends the happiness. So there's no happy story. And then she's like, well, then tell me a sad story and end it in the middle. And so he tells the legend of Orpheus and Eurydice and they go down to hell and he just can't look back. And, you know, there he gets, he, he leads her out of hell. And she's like, is that the end? He's like, yes. <laughs> like, end of movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, Okay. What was the meaning of that? Um, so it, it's a it's a head scratcher of a plot. In some ways, it's derivative. In other ways, it doesn't make sense. It's overlong. It it's super impressed with itself and its existential blather over dystopian images. Um, that said, though, I kind of enjoyed the time and mm-hmm. and visually what they were able to accomplish uh, is, is really an achievement. Okay. Yeah, it looked it looks beautiful. I do agree, even just from the trailers and things. But uh, it also looks overwrought, and it just kind of made me tired thinking about watching it. Yeah, there's a stunning sequence, like where they fall into a theater because the theater, of course, is under the water and submerged. So if you imagine like some Broadway theater that just stopped performances and it's sitting there as it was left, but just now full of water, and like you're swimming past the chandelier down into the floor and they're having this like fight sequence down there but then to like go back to the surface is to like fly up into the air in the theater like past the chandelier and out mm-hmm. you know it's just it's just a really cool visual this uh lisa joy is one of the forces behind uh westworld right um see you Which did I, your research um, i think that's the thandy newton connection as well because yeah. Ma- marina uh, de tavira is in this as well mm-hmm. she was in roma a couple of years ago mm-hmm. as the as the mom oh yeah and her deal is she's the wife of the mobster and because she has money she just actually acts out her favorite memory endlessly in a set with actors who rotate in constantly to play the oh. other person in the memory and that's how she spends her days yeah, which I mean, why would anyone do that? Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like something anyone would do. No. Wow. All right. Well, it sounds like you didn't have an altogether terrible time with that. No, it wasn't. It uh, wasn't terrible at all. It was. It was a completely fine thing. It was just a little tired and long, and yeah. you know, just this the the noir ennui, right? Yeah. Taking itself kind of way too seriously. Right. Well, Dan. Um... I think this might be a complicated one to talk about also because I barely remember it at this point, but we both saw nine days. Uh-huh. So this is another directorial debut. As far as I understand, it's also an auteur situation with a writer and director named Edson Oda. And I think he might've like hit it big with a short or something like that at a festival. And then this is his uh, feature debut. This is a very ambitious uh, kind of art house indie allegory. It has a very interesting cast of the very um, cool Winston Duke um, in the in the, the main role. As I say, it's an allegory. So Winston Duke plays Will, who is a guy, a kind of a for such a lumbering presence of a man. He plays this kind of mousy guy in suspenders and glasses, kind of quiet. He lives in a house in the middle of the desert, which is when you know you're dealing with. Uh, some kind of not magical reality or something because he's got mm-hmm. this little house with electricity and a wall full of TVs, old school CRT tube TVs where he's watching first person perspectives of people living their lives. 
and he's taking notes on paper. Uh, immediately, I noticed some weird things about these, the where these people are looking. He's watching somebody playing video games, and they are staring down at the controller the whole time, which is mm-hmm. a weird thing to do. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, then Benedict Wong stops by. His name is Kyo. And he is seems to be somehow adjacent to Will in, in his job. Uh, we come to find out over the course of the movie that they are tasked with with helping people prep for life. It's it's kind of like a, a low budget indie take on on soul, all kind of. Uh, it doesn't really go to the same places, but the setup is a little bit similar. And the big difference between them, we find out, is that Will was once alive. Will, Will has been, has lived as a person in the world. So then we have a series of, oh, and there's a tragedy with one of his subjects in the beginning of the movie. And that's why they have to audition and replace this individual. And so the uh, the people auditioning, essentially, include uh, Ariana Ortiz. Um, I'm going to have to... Yeah, Tony, Tony Hale, Tony Hale, and Bill Skarsgård and Zazie Beetz as Emma, who becomes um, she shows up late. She's a little bit belligerent. Of course, she ends up being the fascination. Um, and uh, there's other people too. I'm sorry, I skipped some people, and I don't. I'm seeing the cast, and I'm not remembering who was a, a you know who was a uh, wannabe and who was a different character. I think Geraldine Hughes as Colleen was she one of the. I think, was she is. one was she the no, other she was the other woman viewer? who that's right and she brings him a videotape that reveals something later in mm-hmm. the in the film so anyway dan this is a very quirky setup it's made with a great deal of confidence it does not hold the audience's hand although you can pick up sort of on what's going on if you if you stick with it i th- i thought it had moments that were inspired i thought it had performances that were intriguing it did not pay off for me i thought it was very awkward um I don't know. It, it it started to irritate me in some of the ways there are too many. I, again, I'm usually good with unanswered questions. I'm okay. Not knowing all the details and how this works, but wh- if these people have never lived, how do they have points of reference to even talk about things? Yeah. How do they know what Nazis are? How do they know what, you know, like how do they understand any of the exercises they have to go through? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, Again, I know it's a, it's a loose allegory. You're supposed to feel it. You're not supposed to pick it apart. I, I I didn't hate the ending. I just wasn't as invested as I should have been for it to pay off. And I liked everybody in it. I think it was an excellent effort. I would definitely see another film by this filmmaker. This one just did not land for me. How did you feel? Yeah, I feel I like I maybe had the opposite journey where I feel like I was really picking it apart in the beginning. And then it won me over as it went. Mm-hmm. And I and I think I kind of let go of a lot mm-hmm. of the questions that I have because, yeah, I understand like the, it is an allegory and you have to show something on the screen. Right. And the only thing you can show is embodiment. But mm-hmm. the whole point is that these characters have never been embodied. So what is the meaning that you are a white man or a Latina woman or mm-hmm. a black woman? What is the meaning of that to an unborn soul? Right. Right. Like, Never gets close to any of those things. Right. You look at you look at these actors who bear um, qualities that mean something in our world. They 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 are a body. They are a whole person. They they have a life of experience because they are who they are and the age they are, and live in the culture that they do. 
but they're portraying souls that have no experience with embodiment. And like you say, how would they know anything about the world? Why would they be so desperate to live and so devastated when they aren't selected? Why, why would that be? Why are, why are they so desperate? I feel like it's only having been alive that you have a will to live, sort of, in, yeah. in reality. So with all of that aside, and if, you, if I can just kind of accept that and, and watch what they're doing. The other thing was the whole technology aspect. Why are we on VHS and these bad TVs? What did they look at beforehand, before right. that technology was invented? And if it goes with the regular world, why wouldn't there have been any updates? Mm-hmm. I had questions about the violin prodigy that he was following. Um, what is the point of keeping all of those tapes? If he taped everything, then the moment that he missed that we find out about later would have mm-hmm. also been on his tape somewhere that he would have certainly scoured in his obsession. But it was someone else's perspective. It was the letter found after she was gone. I know, so. but wouldn't she wrote the letter? Oh, the writing of it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like, you're right. And that was like missing. Mm-hmm. And then his response in his grief is to throw away all her tapes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, do you have responsibility for these tapes? Or were they only for you and your mm-hmm. enjoyment? Were they part of a greater record that you were keeping? Right. Um, why do you feel that you were a failure? Do you, does each interviewer oversee a number of people at a time? Um, mm-hmm. Don't some of those, probably many of those lives end in tragedy? Is this so unusual? Um, so, so I was kind of caught up on some of those questions. Mm-hmm. And then when I let go of that and just sort of started allowing myself to empathize with the characters and sort of inhabit them, I can understand the joy of the the fake beach day and the fake bike ride and and kind of that that beauty mm-hmm. and it's not very insightful but it, it's just whatever that human thing is of enjoying being alive and how the most mundane stuff is what we remember best um i liked that i i felt for the characters and i thought that the pay like i liked where they what they had in mind for the payoff at the end mm-hmm. but then it just went on too long Mm-hmm. And what I wanted was it for it to end quickly. I wanted him to begin doing what he was going to do, have it come to a quick crescendo and mm-hmm. end on a high note quickly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it just went on and 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 on. And then I was like, oh, gosh. So anyway, yeah, I ended up feeling like it was a thumbs up for me. But I don't like it when it when things leave me with so many questions and be making me a critic right i, I don't right. want that sure there's a scene kind of like right before in the calm right before the third act where they're at a dinner like out back having like a cookout mm-hmm. yes and there's some dialogue and some sharing of stories that was so awkward so weird tonally bizarre the language they choose to use the, the way they say things, the way they react to each other. One of the most bizarre scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. I, I don't know weird. if that was just me, but. No, it was a weird scene and it was totally um, out of, out of line with what we've already seen. I, I yeah. wondered what, what are we supposed to take from this? That the, that the mediocre, unmemorable white guy who doesn't feel much or care much is best suited for the world. Right. <laughs> and like people, with other experiences um, need to be protected mm-hmm. from the harshness of the world that is dominated by white men. Like, and and he's named Cain of all things, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the wanderer murderer. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, again, I a, a very admirable effort, and that's not. I don't mean that condescendingly. I mean this is a no. this is a filmmaker who knows what his vision is, and so uh, I would certainly go back for another helping if he does more. But um, this one had a lot of wrinkles in it for me. Yeah, I mean it was it was so professional and artful. Hey. Yeah. Oh, and to make to to world build to that degree to and, and to an obtuse degree, mm-hmm. and just hold your guns and build that world and film it and say, "Nope, this is my debut film." That um, that's I, I I do respect that. Yeah, there's a great deal of skill. Imagine if it were a less weird or complex screenplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just needed mm-hmm. to make the film. Right. Well. I'm realizing now it was probably not the wisest thing to save Free Guy as the uh, <clears throat> climax of this podcast. Well, we didn't talk but... about Suicide Squad, though. Oh, we didn't? Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, well, I guess you don't want to tell us about a movie you didn't see. I did see it. Oh, you did see it? Okay. Uh-huh. Tell us about it. I totally did. So the Suicide Squad isn't to be confused, right, with Suicide Squad? Correct. The David Goyer version from 2016. All right. I didn't see Suicide Squad. I didn't and see that either. I did see the long title of Harley Quinn, though. That's right. So yeah. so that was just maybe a tiny bit of a look into this universe. Mm-hmm. So um, my new thing is to go to a movie and fall asleep immediately okay. and then watch about the second two thirds of it. So I'm not totally sure if it was the movies doing or if it was my not watching the movies doing. Mm-hmm where I just sort of lost what was happening. It seemed like some major characters were taken out early in the proceedings. Was yeah. that right? And these and these characters were holdovers from the first movie. Is that the idea? By and large, yes. By and large. It is on HBO Max, by the way, and it's leaving tomorrow. So if oh. you wanted to catch those first 15 minutes, you could fire it up, but that's probably not on your... Uh... On your schedule, because yeah, it kind of sets up the whole. I it, it takes you through with Michael Rooker's character Savant. It kind of takes you through a quickie, you know, opening cold open of what the Suicide Squad is all about, and then yeah. of course it has fun dispatching those characters, which makes you feel like you don't know what you can't trust anything for the rest of the movie. You know? Right. So we've got these teams that are put together by Viola Davis of prison inmates who carry out missions um, in exchange for reduced sentences. And if they go off mission, they get blown up. You know, there's <laughs> high, high stakes here. Um, there, there's a, a, a land, a sea, you know, landing that goes terribly wrong. And a lot of the people on these teams are slaughtered. Um, Harley Quinn, um, mercifully, merc- mercifully, excuse me, mm-hmm. escapes to be there for the rest of the movie because uh, she's a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, there, there's this is really a great creation from Margot Robbie. Like I, mm-hmm. I like her more and more as over the top as she kind of is on the surface. That she had that speech, you know, right after she murdered her uh, yes. her lover about. Right 
kind of commiserating with everyone who's just slowly realized the disaster of a relationship they're in <laughs> and articulating it in such simple, relatable terms mm-hmm. down to like, that's not real music that you like, <laughs> you know, like all of these like little daily cruelties right. that you like live. And like, this is where she's, and so she's coming from a very real place, <laughs> even yeah. though being a, a vicious murderer that, that you kind of go with her. Um, Id- Idris Elba is a part of things. John Cena, um, Sly Stallone as what a shark thing, <laughs> you know, Viola Davis, I guess, looking for some vacation money. Um, yeah. Play, play, doing her usual bang up job, playing a, a role that's, that's below her. Um, I, I really don't know how, how to talk about this movie or how it is the, exactly the kind of movie that you think it is. Mm-hmm. And it to me, I, I enjoyed the two thirds of it that I was awake for. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, what did you think of the Suicide Squad? Yeah, I had a really good time with it. And I don't, um, you know, I'm more of a superhero movie person than you are. I have context for these things, but I'm probably better versed in D in Marvel than DC. So uh, I watched the Snyder cut of the Justice League out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Didn't really get into it too much or know what was going on half the time i did not see the first suicide squad i'm not that into it i did see the other harley quinn stuff i saw that other movie the birds of prey movie uh by the way a character created on an animated show created on the batman show Mm -hmm. in the 90s when we were kids um that just caught on it wasn't even from the comics and now it's it's uh very much owned by margot robbie and usually the best part of what she's in so i thought this was great i for what it is relative to these kind of movies relative right. to this DC universe and some of the stuff, I think that's pretty uh, overwrought and garbagey that they put out. I think they did great by hiring a guy fr- away from Marvel, James Gunn, who of course has his own career before Marvel. He's the guardians of the galaxy guy. But before that he did uh super with rain Wilson and slither with Nathan Fillion. And he kind of, he's kind of a uh, Peter Jackson thing where he did kind of gross horror movies and then worked his way into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And this is him kind of getting to play with some gore and an R rating and stuff like that. So for something that could have just been, oh, you know, in your face and R rated for no reason, I thought that this was well constructed. I thought it was funny. I thought it was creative. And I don't think about it very often, but I had a good time when I was watching it. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, that's a movie. So, yeah, Free Guy. I guess that would falls to me. Sure does. I told you, I think the word I used was that I was repulsed <laughs> by this movie in, in its marketing. Um, directed by Sean Levy, who is a quite successful comedy director uh, involved in 30 Rock. And I think he made some of the Night at the Museum movies. And he makes like big, dumb, popular comedies. He also was uh, played a teenager who throws uh, spaghetti at his mother in the Mystery Science Theater movie Zombie Nightmare, but that's oh. quite another thing. In a movie written by Matt Lieberman and Zach Penn, and this stars Ryan Reynolds, essentially playing a nice, naive version of his Deadpool character, who uh, he's he's Guy. He is an NPC, a non-playable character in a giant MMO video game, a massive online video game where people go on and they get to live their fantasies of committing crimes and heists and and 
being at war with each other. And he's just someone in the background who lives in this world. He's not phased by things exploding and people dying. He just gets his coffee. The opening of this is the opening of the Lego movie. Almost exactly. Mm. He wakes up in his little blue outfit. He looks at his pet. He goes and gets the world's best cup of coffee and walks down the street saying hi to everybody. This is the Lego movie. But anyway, uh, through some intrigue and through uh, an interaction with a mysterious girl in a ridiculous costume, he kind of awakens something inside of himself where he's not so content anymore being a non-playable character. This girl, of course, is Jodie Comer as Millie, but in the game, she's called, oh, I forgot her name inside the game. She Molotov has girl. Molotov girl. Uh, so right away in just in, in oh and little Ray little Ray Howery is a security guard at the bank where he works and he's his friend he's pretty enjoyable he's always great Taika Waititi uh, is a guy I really like as both a filmmaker and a performer I thought he was a little bit uh, a little bit dumb in some of this his mm-hmm. character was a little over the top maybe not maybe too much for my taste but uh, I, I like him Joe Keery. Uh, is in it as a programmer who works for the bad guy who stole his code and all this stuff. I'm sorry, I'm not doing a great job describing it. It is what it is. It's a, it's an excuse for a bunch of meta video game humor. It's an excuse for Ryan Reynolds to walk around doing his really labored uh, style of jokes where he says, well, my tongue just had sex with the sun or whatever. I don't know what weird weirdness. It's getting a little old. Uh as far as video game stuff goes, I'm going to nitpick this, and it doesn't matter, and it's stupid. But I, this is my, this is my podcast, so I Go can for say it. this. You sure can. Nobody says the phrase "free guy." First of all, that's not. I guess it's supposed to be a, like a double entendre. He is living in free city, and he is guy, and he becomes free. But I think it's supposed to be a, a pun or a double entendre with um, a free guy, like a like an extra life in a video game. But nobody oh. says that. Nobody has ever said that. And. In this game, in this movie, they're in an MMO where you just respawn, so there are no lives, there are no guys. Anyway, that bothered me. I didn't uh, get, I didn't take that as a double. <laughs> okay, card. maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but from the first time I ever saw the poster, uh, that bothered me. Um, there's weird rules about how this game works and how if you steal somebody's code and build a game, the way that it it like very it, simplistically portrays this visually i thought was weird and i had a lot of questions about it it's entertaining that's the bottom line it was better than i thought it was going to be i laughed i didn't hate it it was very long uh i yeah i mean i nitpicking it would would make no sense um i had a million questions but they don't matter i'm sorry that was one of the worst jobs i've ever done uh describing a movie but um I don't think people needed a, 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 a detailed synopsis on this one. So no, I, I think so. you, I think you may have even had a better time than I did. Oh, with I this did. I, I would, I would give it three and a half stars. Wow. I liked it. I, so it reminded me a lot of the Truman show, which is overall like a, a movie that I like. I feel like Ryan Reynolds kind of reminds me of Jim Carrey's take on that. And like, when you talk now about the opening of the Lego movie and all the things that he does in the morning, like that's how Truman show opens too. Right. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very, very, very similar. Um, I, I feel like I've always liked Ryan Reynolds, like back to what I'm a child of the nineties. Um, and in the early two thousands, was he Van Wilder? <laughs> you know, right. Right. Like I, I have good vibes with, with, with Ryan Reynolds and, it's a very simple plot. I think that I like the out of dimension that there's something happening in the real world and they're holding the two worlds together and people can have characters that jump into the second world. 
I, I felt that always made sense. I thought it was a cute story with the the guy and the girl. I don't know. It's maybe cliche, but I, I liked those two. Um, I liked uh, Channing Tatum's cameo. Mm-hmm. I, I find him to be um, a, actually a really good actor and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, completely game for these stupid opportunities um, that I thought he did really great at. Um, so yeah, it's it's not it's not going on AFI's list probably, but I <laughs> I, I enjoyed yeah. it for what it was. I liked how they built a little world and they had a few characters so you got to know who kind of stood at the front of the group of all the other characters who are like mm-hmm. coming together against the bad guy. Very simplistic, but I had a now, nice time. I said I wouldn't nitpick, but <laughs> when. Okay, so there's a thing in the movie where Taika Waititi owns the company that runs this big game. He's getting ready to launch another game, and then Free Guy is a nuisance, and then he becomes like a big problem, and he's obsessed with destroying him. And at one point, they reboot the game, right? And so everything that's happened, all the the guy has essentially evolved into an AI, and he's become Mm self-aware, and he's leading this revolution, rebooting the game undoes all of that and puts everybody back to square one. And I'm, I'm with the movie as far as a kiss from the girl reignites it all and mm-hmm. reminds guy and brings it back. That's fine. That's fine. At this movie's level. That's great. That's, that's whatever. But then everybody just kind of catches up to where they were before, where they're willing to like, you know, like uh little Ray as buddy who, if he's back to square one, then he is like scared of going outside. Like he doesn't want any right. adventure or anything. The, ev- all the other NPCs are suddenly willing to like sacrifice themselves. I know it's just a silly movie and they needed to get to the third act. And I, I didn't want them to spend any more time on it. I just thought that was a little strange how he got his reputation back, like almost instantly. Anyway, who hurt you? <laughs> so many movies like this. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, that's that. Um, movies are fun. I'm going to see a new Marvel movie this week. Really? Shang, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings comes out on Thursday. Oh, I've seen so many previews for that. Yeah. Good buzz. I'm not going to go to it, though. All right. Uh, a pleasure as always, Dan. We'll catch up. We'll talk about uh, our next recording. I wish you well. I bid you peace. Jonah Rapino. Jonah Rapino, do the music. It's our podcast. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.